Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's the one and only V, the Grill Economist. We have with us Harley Schlanger. The man needs no introduction. You can find Harley over at LaRoucheOrganization.com, LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the TheSchillerInstitute.com. The Institute.com. And with that being said, Harley, welcome back. It's been a while, and there is so many things going on. I don't know where you want to begin. Well, let's start with the fact that you're talking to someone uh, who has been identified as an information terrorist by Ooh. the Ukrainian office of the Committee to Combat Disinformation. Well, congratulations, uh, <laughs> Alensky. We can't call him Zelensky because the letter Z is banned right now in Ukraine, so he himself has changed his name. He dropped the Z. Now he's just Alensky. Uh, Alensky has put you on the list. That's, that, that's I'm jealous. Well, it's hard-earned and well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> I have been very outspoken against the narrative coming from Ukraine. I mean, the, the story for this is that they set up this agency called the uh, Committee to Counter Disinformation, sure. which was essentially created by the neo-Nazis in the Defense Department to counter the story about the fact that they're neo-Nazis. And they initially put out a list of, I think, 78 people that included 30 who participated in Schiller Institute events. Now, the number two name on the list is Helga Zeplerouche, the founder of the Schiller Institute. Yeah. I think I'm number seven or eight. Uh, Diane Sayre, who you, I think, uh, interviewed yes. not so long ago, she's on the list. And it includes people such as Ray McGovern, uh, Scott Ritter. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, Rand Paul, and Scott Ritter wrote a, a very powerful article about this. It was in Consortium News on August 3rd titled Chuck Schumer's War on Free Speech. And what he points out is that Schumer was one of the leading people in pushing for weapons for Ukraine and also for funding of civil organizations in Ukraine. And I, I think most of your listeners know this, but a lot of Americans don't know that among the 40 to 60 billion or now maybe 70 billion dollars we've dispersed to Ukraine, close to 2 billion of it has gone to cover governmental operations. And one of those operations is called the uh, Committee to Counter Disinformation. And it's funded through something called the U.S. Civil Research and Development Fund. And Schumer personally was involved in promoting this now, Ritter's article, uh, Chuck Schumer's War on Free Speech, points out that Schumer identified uh, or that, that uh, Ritter identified two people on the list that were hit by this uh, so-called disinformation group. And that's Scott Ritter himself, 
I'm sorry, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, for his demand that there be an audit of the funds going to Ukraine. And then secondly, Diane Sayre. And I'm very happy that Ritter mentioned by name Diane Sayre, the LaRouche candidate for U.S. Senate in New York. And what he said about that is that Schumer is involved in promoting funds to go to an agency interfering with free speech in the United States and elections in the United States. And he called for a full investigation of that, uh, Ritter did. So this is quite significant, especially given that the whole attack against Trump initially for his, his first impeachment charge was uh, had to do with Ukraine. So actually, I think the second one, no, the first one uh, was the Ukraine one. So here we see Ukraine uh, not only interfering, but the, the person who's the head of this committee, Andrei Shapovalov, said that the people who were named, the 78 people, are information terrorists who should be put on a blacklist and should be uh, considered for war crimes. Mm -hmm. What this means, according to Scott Ritter, is this is a kill list. And I, it's important that we realize that this is what the U.S. Senate is doing. The Senate this last week voted 99 to 1 to allow the incorporation of Finland and Sweden into NATO and 100 to nothing to designate Russia as a state sponsor of terrorism. Now, this is a lot of chutzpah, given that the U.S. Senate provided funds that went to arm ISIS and al-Qaeda uh, Libyan terrorists, uh, the Afghan terrorists, uh, to claim that Russia, for going against neo-Nazis in Ukraine as a state sponsor of terrorism, is, is quite a flip of reality. So that, that's one of the things that's going on. The, the other thing I'll just throw out very quickly is there is a, a very interesting article in The Hindu, which is one of the leading newspapers in India, an interview with Helga Zepp-LaRouche on the LaRouche movement's call for a new financial architecture, which reviewed the, the history of Lynn and Helga's involvement in India, uh, their support for uh, breaking with the IMF policy, breaking with the central banks, and instead having a development perspective based on uh, multilateralism as opposed to the unipolar order. And it also identified that Helga was on this list in Ukraine, along with three very prominent Indians. So the story is getting out everywhere. You want to fight injustice. You want to fight the deep state. Look at LaRouche. Look at the Schiller Institute. We're the ones who are have the target on our backs now, as Lynn, of course, had for most of his career. It's unbelievable uh, for them to do this is, is the, the level of harassment. And not only, I mean, I mean, the fact that Ukraine, which is so inept and so corrupt. I mean, let's be honest, who's really behind this, this, uh, this, this list that they've created. It's definitely CIA. It's definitely Western it, intelligence, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And NATO. Yeah. Now, interestingly, an agency I don't usually defend came out with a report this week that's very significant. That is Amnesty International denounced Ukraine's armed forces uh, for uh, war crimes, citing civilian imagery, which confirms 
violation of international law that they're putting using civilians as shields and turning them into military targets. Now, of course, what do you think Ukraine said about this? They said Amnesty International is now a propaganda arm of Putin. That's just ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, these people have lost all credibility, Harley. It's incredible. Well, and then the other thing that happened, which shows again the fraud of the narrative, there have been now seven ships filled with various grains, uh, sunflower seeds, sunflower oil, that have left Ukrainian ports as part of the agreement reached between Putin and Erdogan that Ukraine reluctantly signed on to after the United Nations called for lifting sanctions against Russia on these products. Now, this just shows that the argument that the food shortage and the inflation and food prices is caused by Russia is just another one of these fabricated narratives. Uh, Erdogan praised Putin for his role in this. Uh, the grains, are, some of the grains are going to African countries. Uh, it, it, there are, I think, four more ships set to go in the next couple of days. Uh, the, the narrative is falling apart, and the and everywhere except the U.S. Congress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. Harley. Now, also, the, the the other thing, V, from the last week, a couple of weeks since I've been on. There are a whole series of these conferences, the uh, Organization of Islamic Countries, the African Union, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, uh, the Eurasian Economic Union. These are multilateral institutions that are engaged in trying to figure out how to allow development to occur at a point when you have a financial breakdown and the powers who control the financial system are raising interest rates, which is going to cut off countries from credit, countries that can't afford to provide food, energy, health care, anything. And so these meetings took place in which there were signing of billions of dollars of, of trade and, and uh, economic development. But more importantly, they're talking increasingly about doing that trade, conducting that trade in local currencies, regional currencies and possibly adopting currencies related to the BRICS Bank, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Bank, and so on. So we're seeing a new financial system starting to emerge out of the wreckage of the neoliberal Wall Street London system. Now, in this context, you have the collapse of the Boris Johnson government, the collapse of the Draghi government in Italy, uh, the likely collapse of the Greek government, who knows how much longer Schultz coalition can hold together when his economic secretary, the, the green uh, czar of uh, energy, uh, Habeck, announced last week a 2,000 euro tax on households in Germany to cover the increased cost of electricity and energy. 2,000 euros between October and March. Now, I don't know how many people can afford that. That's on top of the existing inflated rates of of, uh, electricity and transportation fuel and things of that sort. So I think the German government is going to be in big trouble. The farmers are continuing to drive tractors through the streets of of the Netherlands, of Germany, of Italy, of France. Uh, You know, the only question is, when will the people in the United States shake off their, their sleepwalking 
and join with the rest of the world to establish this new financial system and break with Wall Street and break with London? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, we're reaching the end of it. Recently, we've had the, the, the shenanigans of the, of the venerable, probably one of the greatest stateswomen of our time, Nancy Pelosi, showing, yeah. showing up in Taiwan, a pointless trip to the point where the people of Taiwan were like, what is the point of having this crazy drunk flying in on not Air Force One, but Kettle One, and um, creating the havoc that she has done. In, in other words, she has cemented the fact that the United States is an unreliable partner. She cemented the fact that the United States is a fomenter and a disruptor and the biggest threat to global peace and stability. And now they've also cemented the fact that China is going to go ahead and they will take Taiwan, which is rightfully theirs. And they're going to make sure that the U.S.'s designs for Taiwan will become absolute failure. I mean, what is the point of this? This is incredible for for, for many of the countries of the world that see this nonsense, uh, um, um, Harley, uh, what's your take on that? Well, I wonder if Pelosi flying in on her broom registered on the Taiwan uh, anti-missile system. You know, the, <laughs> the, the, uh, there's a poll taken in Taiwan after she left, which showed that about an equal number of people in Taiwan opposed her visit as supported it. And when the people who opposed it were asked, why do you oppose it? They said, we don't think the United States will come to our aid if they provoke a Chinese invasion. Mm. And of course, this is the will be the legacy of Afghanistan and Ukraine. Like, I think at some point soon, the U.S. is going to have to cut Zelensky loose. Yeah. And probably go with a military coup and send some of the military leaders to meet with the Russian military leaders to work out a, an agreement because the, the war is continuing to be highly destructive to Ukraine. The, yeah, the Russians are losing soldiers, but the Russians are much better equipped and much better prepared if they have to, to fight a long war. Ukraine is running out of soldiers now, the question is, will the Germans send in troops? Will the French? The British are sending in uh, special forces to do training. But I don't think that's very effective, given the how the Ukraine special forces are being chewed up by the Russian army. Now, no one really wants to see Ukraine destroyed, but NATO wants to use them to try to destabilize and destroy Russia. And it's not going to work. And the, the question is, how long will the people who are giving Biden his marching orders going to continue to stick by this, especially when there are some more serious people in the military who agree with Colonel Douglas McGregor, agree with Scott Ritter and others, that the situation is lost. Ukraine cannot survive this way. And the only question is, how much of Ukraine will be ceded to Russia? Now, the other question of course, is the unreliable ally of Poland, which is itching to grab a piece of the Ukrainian grain area, uh, uh, the, the raw material area of Ukraine, uh, the, the other so-called allies of Ukraine who are waiting for the moment when they can go in and grab their piece. So I, I think this is a highly unstable situation. And the fact that the U.S. media is beginning to shift a little bit uh, turning against Zelensky, uh, CBS News did a, a piece the other day that, with, that looked very unfavorably on the Ukrainian government. 
as you mentioned, the, the charge of corruption. Uh, it's apparent that weapons that we're sending over there are ending up all over the world in the hands of terrorists because Ukraine is a center of illicit arms trafficking. Uh, and no one knows for sure where this 60 to $80 billion is ending up. A chunk of it ends up in the hands of the military industrial complex, the, the uh, defense contractors. But where else is it going? Well, maybe Zelensky's building another uh, wing on his house in the Riviera. <laughs> it's incredible. And then he's asking uh, the European Union, hey, send more money. He's, he's basically telling everybody, just send more money. No accountability. No one knows where it's going. We all know this is a scam. It's like the drug addict in a college who's asking his father to keep sending more money because he, he, he needs more for his studies. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think the, the, the other thing that's just relevant is that the Federal Reserve has proven its absolute incompetence when it comes to the economy. Now, the, the, many people, including I know a lot of your listeners, are saying, well, this is an intention. This is what the World Economic uh, or World Economic Forum, Davos, and so on. This is what they're intending. They're trying to break down the system so they can buy it up cheap. You know, there's an element of truth to that. They are breaking it down. It's their policies that are breaking it down. But their policies that they're using are the same policies they're going to continue if they end up being able to pay off their debts with cheap dollars and meanwhile crash what's left of the physical economy. They have no way out of this. And the, you know, when you talk about high interest rates, I don't know, V, if you're old enough to remember this, but remember Paul Volcker in the early yep. 1980s, yep. 20%, 22% interest rates. Oh, yeah. Now, that wasn't the solution, but that at least did dampen the inflation. Here you're talking about 3 4%. That's not <laughs> going to stop inflation, especially since it's going to continue to allow the people who need the cash the most to have access to it through the Fed open market, uh, the open window, the the uh, repo markets, and so on. But it's going to choke off whatever's left of the physical economy. So unless we have a fundamental shift in thinking toward physical economic investment, investment in the real economy, unless that happens, and right now I don't see it in any of the people in the Congress or any of the people running for Congress, they're at best economic illiterates. At worst, they're the pampered class who are making money by pushing these policies. So we're going to need a full-scale revolt from the American people. Um, and it better start soon because the, the uh, clock is ticking for a total uh, chain reaction bankruptcy collapse of the system. Absolutely. Very well said. Harley, thank you so much. Anything else you want to touch base upon? No, I, I am just for people who have been noticing that I was absent for some of the daily updates. I'm back. I'm doing the daily updates. I intend to continue doing them. Uh, we're, we're getting very good response from all over the world. I, I have more invitations now to appear in uh, some of the English language uh, networks in the global south. Uh, I, I think the world is, is moving in two directions. One, it's careening toward war and disaster. But there are a lot of countries that don't want to go there. And we've got to make sure that the United States is one of the countries that gets off this fast train to hell yeah. and moves with the uh, alternative system that's coming into being 
uh, around Russia, China, the Belt and Road Initiative, India, uh, South Africa, Brazil, Argentina. You know, you just can tick them off. The, the countries that were part of the non-aligned movement in the 50s are now saying they don't want to join a power block. They want a multilateral system based on sovereign nation states in mutual cooperation for development. That's what the Schiller Institute supports. That's what I've been talking about for years. I learned it from Lyndon LaRouche, and I think people should take some time to go to our website and study some of the ideas that we've posted there, because these are what's being discussed in governments in, in Pakistan and in, in Delhi, uh, in Buenos Aires. And, and I can tell you, they're also being looked at in Paris and London and, and uh, Berlin by people who are saying, how did LaRouche know about these things? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Harley, thank you so much for being on. And, folks, you can find them again over at theschillerinstitute.com, theschillerinstitute.com, as well as uh, the LaRoucheOrganization.com. And with that being said, Harley, thank you so much for joining us. We uh, thank you, and we'll see you again next week, my friend. Yeah. Take it away, CJ.